and welcome to the Edu Switchboard podcast. I'm your host, Jana Parker, licensed educational psychologist, wellness and executive function coach, and parent consultant. Visit jplep.com to become a member of my community or to access my assessment or coaching services. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Edu Switchboard. This is a video and podcast where I talk with uh, providers in the community and beyond. Today is a well beyond. It's New York we're talking to. And I'm excited to interview Diana Hellspons today. Uh, we spoke recently, and um, I just, I like love her ideas and where she's going with everything. So I wanted to bring her on because I feel like this is a great platform for you to share because the people who are listening to uh, me and everybody all have kids who could potentially use your help. So welcome Diana Heldfond. Thanks, Jana. It's so exciting to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited too. And Diana's coming to us from New York. And um, she is the founder of Parallel Learning. And I want you to tell our listeners what Parallel Learning is all about. Yeah, of course. So we are attempting to build the first integrated tech platform for kids with learning disabilities. And so that means that we will be able to provide everything from you know, online testing and diagnosis to follow-up care as well. And so that's, you know, for myself, as someone who grew up with learning disabilities, it's a really exciting uh, prospect to be able to have all the care providers you need in one place. And we really just want to take the burden off of parents and give them the peace of mind that you know all the resources they need for their children are in one place. Um, but, you know, having all of the care providers and then um, you know introducing a lot of really exciting ways to actually track children's progress and. Um, hopefully also make providers' lives a little bit easier as well. Well, you know that this is a huge passion of mine, and I believe that that's how we got connected. Um, I love what you're saying about having all the providers all in one place. That's what I'm trying to do on this very small scale here is, you know, I work, you know, I do my little job. That's very important, but my the importance of my job and what I do with kids only goes so far. It's the next part that's so important, if not more important that, you know, like it's that next part and it's all of the puzzle pieces. It's all of the providers who end up supporting one student. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of in a, um, some things in that I'm seeing in with a couple of the students that I've worked with. One of them has this care team that's working fantastically well. And she, you know, the parent um, put us all on, you know, gave all of us our email addresses and our phone numbers and connected us all over email so that it's just really easy access, but it's not that safe, right? Like you shouldn't really be sharing unless everybody has really um, confidential, you know, secure email. That method of communication isn't super safe mom was the one who connected us. So not a big deal. She's okay with it. But you know, it would be great to have all of that in one place. And that doesn't happen often. So I'm in this other situation, where I have a student who has now multiple care providers after I've done an assessment. And the there's a lack of communication 
which is um, having some negative impact on this student, which I'm concerned about. It's like literally happening right now, you know? And so I wish that there were an easier way for us to all be communicating more effectively so that we don't, you know, lose a little bit because things happen really fast, you know, things yeah. happen fast, kids need help. And um, so I love what you're doing. And I, you did mention that there was something about your past growing up with a learning disability. Can you tell us a little bit about that piece and what inspired you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you are preaching to the choir right now, everything that you're saying, I could not agree with more. And I think, you know, Parallel really was inspired from my own experience growing up. And I was, you know, lucky enough to grow up in the Bay Area. I was the youngest of six kids and everyone in my family had struggled with some form of a learning difference. And so, you know, by the time I was born and going through the motions of learning to read and write, I had a lot of resources um, at my disposal to make sure, you know, I didn't slip through the cracks. And so I was very lucky that way. But that said, you know, it still was not an easy process by any means. And um, exactly like you're saying, you know, it's hard, you're working with so many different specialists and providers and things change constantly. And, you know, children's situations are evolving and family situations are evolving. And so that's really the core inspiration here is that, you know, not only to make it easier in the first place to find a clinician to go to, but also, uh, you know, as these situations evolve to be able to find so many different types of specialists for your children. And, um, you know, I worked with so many different <laughs> types of people over the years, all of whom were, you know, really beneficial to my development as a child. Um, and so really like you already touched on being able to put all of those care providers in one place and then really to create tools for collaboration is the most important part. Cause I think that is one thing that from my own experience, um, I wouldn't say is, is the norm at all. Um, you know, I had these one-off tutors after school or during the summers and, uh, especially as a student, actually, it's very hard to understand, you know, why you're going through the motions, putting in that all this extra time and it's super frustrating. Um, yeah. And so if we can build in tools for families to communicate with, uh, their care providers, for students to better communicate, you know, if they actually feel that they're improving and things that they want to work on and help be part of this conversation of setting goals. And then on top of that, to really get, you know, clinicians and learning specialists and therapists and everyone speaking to each other in a really safe and secure way, like you were discussing, um, you know, that just seems like it can totally revolutionize the way that we're taking care of these kids. And at the end of the day, just going back to my own experience, you know, it's really about providing kids the resources that they need to do anything that they want to set their mind to. And I think that was something that was always, um, you know, something I was always aware of when I was little, I was always told, you know, go do whatever you want to do and you can totally accomplish that. But I really did need all of these extra resources uh, to get there. Cause just the basic school system was not sufficient for the type of brain I had. So hopefully we can do that for a lot more kids as well. Yeah. And before I ask you a little bit more about your business, I want to, I might throw you for a little loop here, but I'm going to ask you a personal question. Um, maybe you'll have an answer, maybe not. But was there, when you were going through that process as a kid, knowing that, you know, it sounds like you had a lot of people in your corner and rooting for you and basically telling you that 
you're going to overcome or you're going to surpass or you are going to, you are going to make it no, you know, your brain is going to compensate and you're going to go far. Was there, did you understand as you were going through, like why you needed all these different people helping you? Or was there any one moment when you were like, oh, I get it, you know? And cause I, I think people, I think kids, struggle with like having multiple people and going to multiple appointments and having to go to this tutor and that tutor and this doctor and that therapist like what was it for you as a kid if you can think of it off the top of your head that helped you like really kind of understand that and be like okay these people are here for me I can do this or okay I'll go to that appointment you know because I I can also imagine that it gets kind of draining Mm -hmm. totally um you know, I can't say that there was one specific moment where I was like, this is working. You know, each of these providers are playing a really big role in my life. In fact, actually, as a kid, it's extremely frustrating because I don't think, you know, I, it's a tough conversation for parents to have and, you know, how to sit down and tell your child that they need to put in all this extra time and work and, you know, spend after school with a tutor versus going to soccer practice with their friends. Um, and it's something that I didn't fully rationalize, I don't think at all during my education, but there were points where, you know, I could tell I was struggling, um, relative to other students. I mean, I'll never forget, like in first grade when I was reading those books that have, you know, three rhyming letters on a page or or words on a page. And, you know, there are other kids reading Harry Potter books. Um, so it was not lost on me that, you know, there was something going on, but nonetheless, when you're, you know, seven, eight years old, being told that you need to spend all this extra time is a hard thing to process. And so I think it started to hit me more as I got older and as I could see uh, my improvement, really. I mean, by the time that I got to high school, I had a, one tutor who was amazing and I still credit her for the reason I can read and write so well and particularly write. Um, and by the time I got to college, I didn't really have any added support and all of a sudden was, you know, fine in my classes. There were definitely certain things like, for example, you know, you learn to get very scrappy as a kid that grows up dealing with learning differences. And so uh, I could not read a textbook for the life of me. It would take me hours upon hours and was a waste of time. And so I would go to every office hour in college. I would go sit in the front row and take copious notes to the extent that every other student was asking for my study guides kind of thing. Mm-hmm. At the um, but you really do learn to cope. And so I think for me, it was actually as I got later in life that I realized, okay, I truly, I don't know if you fully ever overcome learning differences, but I had so many mechanisms in place as kind of safety nets at that point. Um, but definitely when you're young and going through this, it's really hard to see any purpose whatsoever. Yeah, and did anybody explain it to you at, when you were younger? <laughs> I feel bad saying this because I'm sure like my mom tried or my, you know, yeah. tried, but I honestly, I didn't, I didn't get it. Right. And it's true. Even as I talk to people about what we're building at Parallel now, people instantly are like, well, what's it like to have dyslexia? And I was like, I, I don't know how to explain this to you. You know, it, right. when you're going and reading a book, it doesn't feel like anything's necessarily different because I don't know what the norm should be. Right. Because um, it's you, yeah. Exactly. And so as a child, that's all even more so magnified, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's hard. And I think one of the other things about Parallel 
is that we really do want to break down the stigma around having learning differences. And, you know, there were definitely times where I struggled, you know, I didn't take a foreign language and there was a kid who came up to me on the bus and told me I was too stupid to take Spanish like the other kids. And like that, that stuck with me. <laughs> and so, you know, giving both students and families the tools to do this in the privacy of their own home and, you know, on a kid's schedule so they can go to soccer practice and then come home and do their tutoring session or, you know, do it in between classes. Just that added flexibility, I think, is so important to just kind of changing the whole conversation around learning differences. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I don't get a lot of opportunity to ask people who have adults who have had disabilities in the past, like what it was like for them as a kid. And, you know, if because I, I try to make it a part of my practice to um, inform the student in a really positive way about yeah. what it is, you know, and in a very kind of practical and like condensed version that hopefully makes sense to them. And I'm always like, just hopeful, like, I hope that this makes sense to them, but I want to be, you know, they just went through all of this assessment with me. I want them to know what we got out of it and what we know now. And that, you know, a lot of times, because they really have to partner in their, um, in with their resources, you know, with the people who are supporting them, like they have to be a partner in it. Like they are an active role in it. Like adults can say whatever they want. They can, you can do all the therapy. You can give all the academic support. You can give all the behavioral support. You can give all the medication, but unless a kid is like going like, Oh, like, okay, I'm going to participate in this. <laughs> and not totally shut down. I really, I think it's a really fine balance between providing the right resources, but also not providing like so much that the kids just going like, no, I'm not gonna. Totally. You know? And I think that I got to a point, honestly, where I was spending probably too much time with certain, I mean, with, you know, all these various resources and, you know, uh, such a luxury to have these resources and to grow up in a family that understands, you know, what I was going through. So, this is not meant to sound as you know negative as it might, but you know, and this goes back to what I was saying in the very beginning, being able to actually monitor whether these sessions are working is something that really doesn't exist. And I think as a parent who's spending the money, as a child who's putting the time in, if there really are concrete goals that are set and really in an open conversation around improvement, and again, there's some exciting ways that technology can also play a role, but um, you know, if there's really some kind of system tracking improvement, that in its own right is totally different from, you know, the way that I grew up. And it was like, the more time you spent, the more you were improving. And that was kind of it. Um, and I think that tends to be the mindset of parents these days. Like, they want to give as many resources as they can. And so if it means, you know, their kid is putting in all these extra hours, then they should be, you know, on par with all the rest of the classmates. And I think that's just not an efficient way of, you know, using your child's time or using your own time as a parent, you know, shuffling kids between sessions and whatnot. And so, yeah. It's just yeah. Well, I a love lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Obviously as a psychologist, I love that there's a strong data component like that you're really interested in setting, you know, in seeing, in setting goals, like with whatever it is and setting goals and tracking progress through technology. I love it. So, okay. So let's get back to like the actual topic. So tell me about where, so, 
So you, your goal is to have this platform that really kind of is a kind of a wraparound care team for a student, depending on what it is that they need with the different kind of providers who could potentially provide that, um, starting with some kind of intake assessment and then kind of veering off. And so tell me a little bit about that process, like what you're envisioning, and then kind of go into where you're at with that now, like what stage are you at now? For sure. Um, so full disclosure, you know, we're in the baby beginning of this process right now. Um, the site is just about to launch, but it's much more of going to be, you know, a resource for parents. And we're really excited that we're going to be rolling out um, directories so that parents really can find care providers in an efficient manner. But, you know, I'll talk about the end goal and the, the big picture vision. Um, Cause that's a lot more exciting than <laughs> what exists today. Um, but the goal is, okay, it, I can walk you through basically the way I envision it working for, you know, the typical family, typical student who comes to our platform. So you already touched on it, but there's a really large personalized element here. So taking the time to get to know students and families off the bat by having, you know, a free consultation, allowing them to chat with, with doctors and care providers right off the bat and really get a better sense for why they're here. And I think that's, you know, something that has constantly come up in conversations that I've had with various different doctors is that, you know, a lot of the times parents come kind of in a twist, not even knowing really what their child needs, what kind of testing should be done, if it even is a learning disability versus, you know, something more behavioral. And so really just having a bunch of resources up front for parents to just kind of use us as partners or mentors um, and get a better idea of what's going on with their child. So again, initial consultation would be with families and then we would also- I have a question. Who, like, how do you, is an actual doctor doing the intake or are you doing an intake and trying to decide which person might need to talk to them? Like which kind of professional? So it'll be someone from our care team. It probably won't be a full-time, you know, neuropsych doctor right off the bat. But okay, I was wondering. Is- I was like, "Wow, you guys have a lot of money." <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> would. How cool would that be? Um, we're still trying to run a business here. Yeah. So, but you know, we have a very thorough care team who has seen so many families, and you know, really will be able to make sense of of who the next provider should be. Um, and from there, you know, the options are endless. And so being able to provide the testing as, you know, someone that went through that a lot growing up um, is something very exciting to be able to do, you know, again, in the comfort of your own house with top licensed doctors. And um, and then to take this, again, the highly personalized approach on the outcome of the, the testing is really uh, important to me. And so, you know, the doctors will sit down with families and really come up with a plan based off the family's goals, based off the children's goals, based off of, you know, the family's financial means and figure out who on our platform is going to be the most relevant, you know, care providers on an ongoing basis. And then, you know, the whole plan is that families have really everything they need in one spot. And as situations evolve, there's very easy ways to, you know, add care providers or take away care providers or if things aren't working with, you know, one learning specialist easily transition to the next. And, uh, you know, I think that flexibility is also something that really doesn't exist right now. It's like, because it's so much word of mouth and referral based, you know, 
it's like a golden ticket if a family does finally get in touch with one good learning specialist and that person might be fantastic for one kid but not for the next and so mm-hmm. just having that flexibility and you know again going back to the very collaborative approach but having doctors be able to talk to educators and having that conversation also involve families like that network and like woven uh, you know approach just doesn't exist and I think can provide so much more yeah well I'll tell you it's you know just being somebody who is often working you know in my private practice so I work in a school right and at my schools people are talking to each other all the time but even in this distance learning, um, it's harder because you can kind of only talk to like one person at a time where you're used to being on campus and being able to solve problems a lot easier because you have people who, who you need to talk to right there. You can, it's just a lot more collaborative. So things seem to be taking longer in this distance learning. But what I recognize in my private practice is that I'm often needing to connect with other people who might be working with this student. But whenever whenever you're connecting with professionals, like if it's outside of the time that I've, if I've already done the assessment, like if, I've, if I'm doing the assessment and I'm reaching out to professionals, that's included in my time that I'm doing the assessment and I'm working on that case and I'm being um, paid for it, right? I mean, that's part of the assessment, but after that, our time is so precious. I mean, that's why we're so busy and that's why it's so expensive, right? Because every time we have to make that connection, it's like some of our time that's, uh, that's taken, right? Which, and it's meaningful. So like having, you know, that's why I'm really, I really strive to like stay pretty closely knit to people who I know so that I can just like reach out and send a quick email like, hey, are you taking clients right now? Are you seeing kids in person right now? I think you'd be a good match for this one. This is a little blurb about this. You know, you got to do it really fast. Right. Um, so if you could potentially have that, I mean, it's a big undertaking because you're basically going to have to be asking people to, or, you know, maybe you are going to be paying people to like be able to like use their time like that. Um, but yeah. if you can make that happen and integrate that process and have like a hub uh, for one student, I mean, that's, you know, it's ideal. So Exactly. And I think that's where the technology comes into play to make, you know, providers lives easier and families lives easier. And so even if it's a centralized dashboard for one student in which at, you know, the end of each session with either, whether it be you know, a learning specialist or educational therapist or with the actual clinician, um, just having those reports readily accessible to this student's care team or the parents is super, super valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we do want to be able to introduce a lot of easy scheduling so that if parents really do have questions, they can come back to you who did the original testing and say, you know, so-and-so has hit fourth grade and this new problem has arisen and what should we do next? And like, I think that it is important that the doctors remain engaged and it's not just seeing the kids every few years when they need to redo the testing, but you know, that's where, building a really smart platform and, you know, looking at a lot of the companies that have been able to do it in the medical space and make patients' lives and providers' lives more efficient. You know, that's where we're trying to learn from, you know, the companies that came before us. And I think it's really exciting. And then just being able to really create a collaborative space for 
not just parents talk to parents or students talk to students, but for providers to talk to providers and to learn from each other and just create and foster a community around really improving the learning around the space and also creating some sense of standardization around the space. I think one thing that always shocks me is, you know, there's similar testing done for all of these students, but the outcome is so drastically different. And it's really hard to make sense of each child's needs because there's just so much subjectivity. And so if we can really make it a more objective process, I think ultimately we can also provide a lot better care. Um, so I think making it more objective, making it more transparent is where technology can really come into play. Yeah, I mean, and you and I talked about this uh, on the phone, you know, this is where I kind of go like, ah, you know, because there, you know, when you're doing these kinds of assessments, there, yes, there are numbers, right? I mean, there are numbers, but even the numbers like are supposed to be able to be um, interpreted really objectively, but you have to, you have to interpret the numbers that you get within what you know about the student's whole system. And that's why, you know, when people come to me and say like, well, can you, can you do an assessment for dyslexia? I'm like, well, yes, I can do it for dyslexia, but I'm going to be looking at all the things. I can't just do this little dyslexia assessment. That doesn't exist. Yeah. That, I mean, I can, I can let you, I can tell you if, you know, about your phonological awareness or your orthographic processing, but I need to really understand if there's anything else going on. Why do you have this problem? Is it just like, I don't want to just give you this, you know, sheet of scores and say you have dyslexia. That's not what that's all about, you know? So I don't know if a computer, or I don't know if technology can really get at that. I, technology yeah. can do a lot, but... I, you know, that's the part where I hesitate, but I think that, you know, well, let me just clarify that as you go. <laughs> I, you know, let me clarify though. I totally agree with you. And obviously, you know, much better than I do, but I think the goal is to make it easier to get to the conclusions that like, we still need doctors like yourself on this platform making the final decision. But I think that we can better collect all of that, you know, information that you're referring to upfront. So whether it be, sending out surveys to teachers, uh, to parents and to the child themselves, like that will already speed up the process and give you such a better lay of the land um, for you to go into the process. And like, mm -hmm. because our is meeting with families ahead of time and our plan is also to roll out some, you know, kind of free diagnostic tests for kids to take before they ever go into this whole process of the real testing. And I think, that's the other thing, you know, there are a lot of kids that sit through the testing and don't need to be tested in the end or were tested. <laughs> and Those so are that's the worst. Those are the worst, yeah. I'll just tell you, there's nothing worse than testing a kid who's fine. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine as a doctor, it's horrifying because you don't wanna to have to go tell a parent and the child that they spent that time and money for nothing. But the worst. on the flip yeah. side, you know, I totally understand if there are, you know, triggers, then you do want to get your kid tested if you have means to. And so that's where I think that we can just be smarter about the whole process is like collecting, I don't want to say data on kids, but, you know, collecting more information up front to really get a better sense of 
what's going on and then being able to make much smarter informed decisions about, okay, this is the right doctor for you given, you know, that doctor's background working with students in very similar situations. Yeah, um, you know, it sounds a lot, honestly, like this is an interesting analogy, but I think it sounds a lot like a student study team at a school and when they're deciding whether or not they want to have, um, like move forward to do an assessment in public yeah. school. Um, well, and that's insane that you say that because I found from, you know, all of my research that the public school system is much better equipped and set up to deal with problems that arise for learning problems that are arising for children. That said, there's a lot of complications in the public school system, but it is amazing in terms of like, they do set very clear goals for students. You know, they have the doctors readily available. Um, and we just want to make that much more accessible to everyone and also, you know, give families the peace of mind of having a private evaluation as well. Because I know that's even when yeah. families do the public evaluation, a lot of them choose to go on to do the private evaluation as well. Well, right. And that's, you know, I worked as a school psychologist in public education for a long time. And it was interesting because I was both in public and private at the same time. And I could right. say the exact same thing to a family as a school psychologist and they'd go, no, I don't trust you. And I could say that to a the same thing to a family in my private practice and they'd be like, whatever you say, I yeah. trust. You, you know, know, there's a very interesting level of distrust within the public school system, um, which is so unfortunate because they're, you know, uh, they do have a lot of methods in place, like you said, and from school teams to, you know, creating really clear guidelines and goals going forward that I think we can actually pull from and, and learn from. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I love that you're saying that you want to collect information and data up front to kind of determine if doing an assessment is the right thing to do. Do you really want to put a student through that all that time and energy and effort if the screening tools are, are, like, are coming out to where it's unlikely that they really need that. And that's what we would also try to do in schools with that student study team. And when we would say to families, like, it really doesn't seem like your student needs an assessment right now, they would think that we were keeping something from them, you know, mm -hmm. but really we just kind of like knew that we could see that the student was making progress despite maybe some bumps in the road, but like it didn't, it didn't, uh, and also the interventions that were put in place were working. That's another thing that's really important. If you can put the right interventions in place before you have an assessment and you see that progress is being made, you don't, it, you don't need the assessment unless you need it for like a diagnosis for something that you, you know, for accommodations or something, but the, it's not the, the label unless you need it for insurance, the label is not as important as what you do about it. So if a student is struggling with reading and you start doing like hardcore phonics and the student gets it, then great because only like 5% of the students who initially are in a class are gonna like actually have a, a true reading problem or maybe it's even smaller than that, but there's like 80% of the class is gonna learn to read just fine 20% is going to need more intensive instruction, more like direct um, mm -hmm. in, in intensive teaching, and maybe need it differentiated a bit. But even with that, with that intensive intervention, they're going to be okay too. 
So it's just that like this, that last little two to 5% that's really going to continue to struggle despite the intervention. And maybe that's when you need an assessment, but really if you can do intervention, I mean, the first thing I recommend if kids are like four, five years old and they're struggling with reading, like intervene, like right now, you know, what are they having trouble with? That's what, that's where you need to intervene. You know, it's not, if they're if they've got the font the phonemic awareness and they've got the phonics and they're just having and they're having trouble with sight words and fluency that's where you target it right so if it's if they're having trouble with comprehension you focus on language and comprehension right so you've got to pick the right um intervention for it i'm kind of going off on a tangent right now but like i just i guess i'm saying like the intervention is so important so it's not even necessarily the assessment so i love that your team would kind of like work to tease that out before yeah, totally. you go this whole process, you know, kind of like making it efficient. 100%. And I think that also when I think about long-term what, you know, where this company can go, I'm really excited about the opportunity for kind of more personalized learning more broadly. And so I think that's highly relevant to all kids around the world, not just, you know, kids struggling with very specific learning challenges, but, you know, it's not news to anyone that some kids are visual learners or others are auditory learners. And if we can really tailor the way that we're teaching kids to their strengths, that's such a unique approach to learning more broadly. And so when I think of, you know, where I'd love to see this company go long term is really being able to use these tools and, you know, the evaluations are, being able to offer that to families is, is huge and like very exciting, <laughs> excited to offer those services. But like you're saying, you know, being able to target upfront what a kid is struggling with. And in many cases, it might not even be a learning related issue. It might be behavioral or more mental health related. And ultimately that still is part of education these days, or that should be part of education. You know, I don't think that you can divorce mental health from learning and a kid's education these days. And so even if it's, you know, figuring out what activities or subjects in school trigger a kid's anxiety, um, even things just as simple as that is, you know, just wildly valuable and being able to better teach kids and better equip them for the real world and, you know, make sure that they have every resource that they need to go, you know, follow their dreams and do whatever they want to do with their life. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So you're right now you have um, you're you're about to launch your website and where people are going to be able to get resources. So tell us about where they find you and then what kind of your your um, next steps are and what people should be looking out for. For sure. So we are launching our website in the next few weeks. It's parallellearning.com. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep adding as we go. And so right now it's, you know, more just information more broadly and what we're looking to provide families with and how our process works. And then, you know, we look, we're looking to add in uh, just a much more kind of community oriented feel. So adding in resources for families, um, adding in resources for uh, uh, providers as well is something that we're really looking forward to. Um, you know, giving parents the opportunity to talk to other parents on our site, giving, you know, providers the opportunity to talk to other providers and to learn from one another. And so, like I said, there's a very big community feel that we're trying to build um, up front. And then we will also be launching a directory 
of, you know, doctors, I've spoken to so many doctors like yourself throughout this process. And so even just being able to, you know, put your guys's contacts out there for families that are in the area looking for, you know, more information or, you know, recognize that their child might be struggling in some way. Um, and then, you know, on the backside, we're also working on the full platform. And I think realistically, it'll be probably early next year that that will fully be up and running. And, uh, you know, I mean, we talked a lot about how exciting the opportunity is for, for families and making their lives easier and making students' lives easier. But I think that also for uh, providers on the platform, both clinicians and for educational specialists or mental health specialists, I think there's some really exciting things that we're rolling out on that side as well, just to make everyone's lives so much easier and really just give providers the opportunity to get back to caring for kids and not to deal with all the, you know, bureaucratic stuff of dealing with private <laughs> Yep, I hear you. Oh, well, that is so great. Oh, that's great. I'm really excited for you. Like this is, this is really amazing. I've thought about, um, I've thought about doing, I have like a similar kind of like passion and vision, you know, and that's why right. I do these videos here. Um, it's just like kind of my small time, you know, small time way of, <laughs> of trying to integrate things, you know, but I think it's so important. Oh, I so I, I just really love your whole, the whole thing, uh, the whole idea and all your core values and I what you're so trying to do. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I, you know, we've talked about this, but I, I love that you're doing this podcast and that you, you too are also creating, you know, a community and a resource for parents. And again, just that adding that transparency and being, you know, a resource for parents is just so important. And so, no, I'm so honored to be uh, featured today. And it was so great to talk to you and, you know, looking forward to keeping everyone informed and hopefully parallel will be up and running very soon. Yeah. Well, that's so exciting. Well, congratulations. And I will definitely put the website in the show notes for this video and podcast and everybody. Once again, this is Diana Heldfond and she is with parallel learning and we're, I'm really eager to see the platform and stay connected to you. So thanks so much for joining me. Of course, thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs>